0: I بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم يا أيها الذين آمنوا لا تتخذوا one وعدوكم أولياء تلقون إليهم the وقد كفروا بما جاءكم من الحق يخرجون الرسول وإياكم أن تؤمنوا بالله ربكم. إن كنتم خرجتم جهادا في سبيل وبتغاء مضاض تسرون إليهم بالموادة وأنا أعلم بما أخفيتم وما أعلنتم ومن يفعله منكم فقد ضل سوا السبيل رب الشح لي صدري ويسر لي أمري. وَحْلُوا مِنْ لِسَانِي يَفْقَهُونَ قَوْلِي وَالْحَمْدُ لِلَّهِ وَالسَّلَامُ عَلَىٰ رَسُولِ اللَّهِ وَعَلَىٰ آلِهِ وَصَحْبِهِ أَجْمَعِينَ ثُمَّ مَا بَعْدُ السلام A brief surah now, surah Al-Mumtahina, with a, a couple of long ayat. This surah is actually related to, um, uh, historically to close to the surah, the revelation of surah Al-Tawbah, uh, around the time when there was a discussion happening uh, about the Muslims invading Mecca, maybe going to take over Mecca, and there was an internal conflict that we talked about. When we had Duru's Surah tawbah in the beginning six, seven ayat, there was a discussion, because Muslims were concerned that if we do invade Mecca, uh, there are a lot of Muslims that are actually Muslims in secret, like closet Muslims, in Mecca still. And if fighting breaks out, because we didn't know if it was going to be a peaceful transition or not. It turned out to be peaceful. But we didn't know that was going to be the case, for sure. So if fighting does break out and there's sort of a, a, like a, it's a civil war type situation happening inside the city, that's a lot more complicated than fighting in the battlefield, right? Because you, you, you're you fighting inside a city. So there's a lot more civil, civilian casualties. And if that does happen, then how will we know the difference between those who are Muslims and those who weren't Muslims? And we might end up killing Muslims, And there was this hesitation on part of some, maybe we shouldn't go into Mecca in this way, we shouldn't march towards Mecca in this way. Uh, Others had concern because they had family that was Muslim, or that that had family in Mecca, and they were afraid that they were going to come in harm's way, and they were expressing those kinds of concerns. And that was addressed in Surah At-Tawbah. But tied to that is the particular case of a companion by the name of Hatim. And Hatim had his family in Mecca, wife and children in Mecca, and he had escaped to Medina with the Prophet ﷺ. He was worried that if the conflict begins, that somebody will retaliate against him and kill his wife and children. So he wanted to, as a gesture of goodwill, uh, without telling the Prophet ﷺ, he wrote a letter to the Quraysh. Uh, letting them know that, look, if something happens, just please, please don't hurt my family. That sort of thing, okay? But that letter, though he meant it kind of, uh, you know, as an innocent gesture to try to protect his family was going to give away the fact that the Muslims are making a move on Makkah, which is a military decision, it's a strategic decision, even though it's Hajj, they don't know the plan of the Muslims, and you don't want to give them time to be ready for the plan of the Muslims. So, the Prophet when well, he sent this letter, he sent it through a delivery woman, who, when she took the letter, she put it inside, you don't have to make a ponytail. She stuck it inside her ponytail and weaved it into her, whatever that thing is called, the bun or whatever. So she, it couldn't be seen. So in case she does get caught or searched or something, nobody will know that there's a letter there. Right? The Prophet receives revelation that such a dangerous letter has actually left Medina and is on its way to Makkah. So he tells Ali radiallahu anhu and another one of Ali's associates عنه, that there's a location over there, there you're going to find a woman. That woman has a letter. I want that letter returned. Now, none of this came to the Prophet ﷺ except by means of revelation. So the Sahabis show up, and lo and behold, there's a woman there. They grab her stuff, they search through it, they don't find a letter. Ali radiallahu anhu basically tells her, We have a messenger, and he told us you have a letter. So, unless you want me to strip search you, you're going to give me the letter. Because I know it's here, because our messenger doesn't lie. So she says, Okay, chill out. And she <laughs> gives him the letter. The Rasul brings the letter back. Now it's found that this letter written by Hatim. He's called to account. Umar anhu has a very wise suggestion. <laughs> if you want, <laughs> off with his head. The Rasul says, No. He's from the people of Medina. Because he's, he's, and, 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 he had family relations in Medina too. And their previous and former, former and previous sins are forgiven. So he lets it slide. This is the subject matter that's being discussed with in the beginning of Surah uh, Al-Mumtahina. And related to that is another matter. Hudaybiyah has already been signed. And when Hudaybiyah has been signed, you guys know that if somebody from the Muslims defects and becomes a kafir and runs off to Mecca, he doesn't have to be returned. But if somebody leaves Medina, or somebody leaves Mecca, escapes from Mecca and comes to uh, Medina, he has to be returned. So that th- these two subjects of the exchange between Mecca and Medina are dealt with in Surah Al-Mumtahina. Okay? Mumtahina of course is an ism fa'il. I'mtahana yamtahinu imtihanan mumtahinun. The feminine form, Mumtahinatun. Surah Al-Mumtahina. Okay? What, what family is that? I did all the work for you. Ifta'ala. If ta'ala. Okay. Those of you who have Iman, don't take my enemy and your enemy as protective friends. Meaning, what were you thinking when you wrote that letter? They're not going to be your protective friends. They're not looking out for you. إليك, You're getting word out to them with love and compassion? You're trying to appeal to them through love and compassion? الحق, and they've already disbelieved in whatever truth has come to you, whatever has come to you from the truth. يُخْرِجُونَ الرَّسُولَ They expel, they're the ones who engage, were engaged in expelling the Messenger. So if they didn't show the best of their men, Rasul, any courtesy, what makes you think they're going to show you courtesy? What were you thinking? And they kicked you guys out too, and billahi And what was your crime that you believed in Allah, your master? In kuntum fi sabili wa And if you were to come out in in the struggle of, of, of uh, uh, as part of the struggle in my path, jihadin fi sabili, in order to do jihad in my path, wa And if you were to come out pursuing my pleasure, meaning if you did come out against them, you marched forward. You're secretly getting things across to them with a feeling of mutually shared love. And I know better what you have kept secret and what you've announced. And whoever has done this among you, then he has been confused from the right course of action. He's, been, he's misled and he's, he's lost. From the even path means he's way off the right course of action. He did something grossly wrong. If they, if they bumped into you, if they ran into you anywhere, if they found you by accident, they would have been enemies to you. and they would have extended their hands towards you, meaning they would have been physically attacking you if they ran into you. alata, and they would have cursed you or tried to confuse you about your religion, Bisu, they would have extended their tongues to you with evil intent means they would have spoken to you about why you should leave Islam. Wa waddu Lautak And They have lots of loving hope that you would hopefully, if only you could disbelieve. arhamukum, Your wombs and your children, meaning your family ties, are not going to be benefiting you. al Qiyamati on the Day of Resurrection. Yafsilu Allahu Allah will cause judgment between all of you. Wallahu bima ta'maluna basir. And Allah is in full view of whatever you're up to. أَدْ كَانَ لَكُمْ فِي A good example and a good role model, someone for you to follow has already been laid down for you, has already been there for you, especially or in, in the case of Ibrahim a.s. ladina And those who, who were alongside him. Now we're learning on a rare case in the Qur'an, we're learning that Ibrahim a.s. had sahaba. That he had companions with him too. And they had a direct conflict with their society also. If qalulikalmihim, when they all said to their nation, Inna uminkum, we have nothing to do with any of you. And I told you historically this surah is close to Surah al Taubah also called Surat al baraah the surah of disassociation. We have nothing to do with the kufar min wa So you're actually, when you declare that you have nothing to do with these kuffar, you are in that also fulfilling the sunnah of Ibrahim alayhi salam, because his uswa and those of his followers was they when they realized that the kufar are at a point of no return, they said, Inna bura'u minkum. Inna bura'u minkum. Wa ta'buduna min And we disassociate ourselves from all things in addition that you worship other than Allah. Besides Allah, Kafarna bikum, we have disbelieved in you. We no longer have faith in you people. And between you and us, animosity has manifested. It has come out. and and anger. <coughs> Baghda, anger and animosity and also hatred has come out between you and us. Abadan, forever. Hatta until you will come to believe. Billahi wahdahu in Allah the only one. Illa Ibrahim, the only exception to that being the word of Ibrahim alayhi salam, the statement of Ibrahim alayhi salam, the that he said about his to his dad, La Astaghfiranna That you know, I'm absolutely going to ask Allah to forgive you, Dad. I love you too much. I can't bear the thought of you burning in hellfire. So I'm gonna make a make du'a to Allah for you. You know, we we read before in Qur'an sa Astaghfiru Hafiya, as he's leaving, he said, I'll make du'a for you. Dad, to my to for to my master, he's been he's been watching over me. In Hafiya, he'll take care of me too. min Shay, and I have no control. I have, I can't control anything that happens to you against Allah. Amlikulak means I have no authority, no control, no say in whatever comes to you from Allah. Rabbana alayka our master, upon you alone we have placed our trust. وَإِلَيْكَ أَنَبْنَى And to you alone we, are, we have returned. وَإِلَيْكَ الْمَصِيرِ And to you alone is the final place of return. Anabna, by the way to return to somebody in repentance. It's a spiritual return. Anaba yunibu إِنَابَةً from here we get the word منيب. مُنِيبُونَ إِلَى اللَّه We turn back to Allah in repentance and forgiveness. Very heavy ayah. Our master, do not turn us into a trial for those who disbelieve. What this means, some have interpreted this to mean that Allah, don't make us the test subjects for the crimes of the disbelievers. You know, the disbelievers are going to do all kinds of atrocities. Don't use us as the victims of their atrocities. That's one interpretation. And this dua is important, especially for the sahabi who's concerned about his family. Ya Allah, don't make my family victims of the crimes of the, of the of the kuffar, you know. But the other very interesting meaning that Imam Razi rahimahullah, took from this ayah, very heavy. He says that Allah, don't make us fitna for those who disbelieve implies that we, our behavior, our course of action, our lack of character, our lack of truthfulness will become proof for disbelievers to want to remain disbelievers. They won't be interested in Islam because they see Muslims. Allah, don't make us a fitna because we will become the fitna for the disbeliever because a fitna is something that keeps you from guidance. It attacks you and it turns you off. You know, It becomes a difficult trial for you, an obstacle in the path of truth. Ya Allah, don't make us, the Muslims, an obstacle in Muslims, com- people coming to Islam. SubhanAllah, we need this dua more than ever before today. رَبَّنَا لَا تَجْعَلْنَا فِتْنَةً لِّلَّذِينَ كَفَرُوا how many things that are just literally turnoffs offs from, from uh, the Muslims that people assume must be a part of Islam? That are, part, that are in our behavior, in our character, in the way we conduct ourselves individually and as people, as a people that just, you know, why would anybody want to do anything with Islam? Why would they want that? You know, you can, you can yell and scream that the system of government in the West is corrupt or that it's, you know, unjust and it's not the law of Allah or whatever. What have you done? Or a fifth of the world's population? What what justice do you have? Some of the most corrupt individuals in the in positions of power. Some of the most corrupt business practices. Some of the most you know the most corrupt nations in the world by any index on top. Muslim, 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 Muslim. And then we're like, oh man, we lost number eight spot to some you know polytheist nation or somebody else. It's like, man, I thought we were gonna get the top ten. You know, at least we're on the top in some index. Right, that's that's our that's our rationale, but this is Islam is something the entire world needs, but today the world says, "Why would I want Islam? Look at these people. You want us? You want us to be like that?" And I have nothing to say in response. I have nothing to say. What am I going to discuss? Theory? What am I going to discuss? The kh- the kh- khilafah of Umar ibn Al Khattab radiallahu anhu. Why? At his time, there was a lot of justice. that's beautiful. That was a lot of justice. What's happening now? There was a bunch of, I saw this uh, debate, I don't recommend watching it, so I won't tell you where it is. It was this debate between atheists who are against Sharia law. So I was curious. And they were debating Ahmadis of all things. It's the funniest thing ever. Like frying pan and fire, having a debate. It was pretty funny. But anyway, you know, they, they, I just wanted to hear what the atheists have to say. What did they have to say? And the guys, you know, the qadiani's 90% of what they say is basically what Sunnis say, they, they add the poison at the last 10%. That's what they do. So their arguments were, you know, Islam doesn't oppress women, this, that, the other. He didn't say, the qadiani guy didn't say anything I wouldn't have said. Or any other Muslim wouldn't have said. And the atheist responds and says, that's really nice. It's beautiful. That's not what's happening though. Here's what's happening, here are the statistics. Hear this. Here's what your courts do. Here's what your judges are doing. Here's what's happening with women over here. Here's what's happening over here. This is Sharia that exists. You're talking about a Sharia in some book somewhere. I'm saying the Sharia that exists should not exist. That's all I'm saying. And I got nothing to say. Like, uh, yeah. Because if the law of Islam is being used to perpetuate injustice, and is being manipulated, then... We have to clean house before we can make any real darwa. At the individual level, da'wah will go on. But at the, institution, at the level of an ummah, we're not calling people to anything. We're not in a position to be writing letters. You know, like Rasulullah wrote letters to heads of state, right? He wrote letters. Why? Because he could show a society based on Islam. Come see what it looks like. What, who are we going to write a letter to? <laughs> what are we going to write a letter to? We have a lot of cleaning to do. There's a lot of laundry needs to be done before we show people what this deen really is. You know? رَبَّنَا لَا تَجْعَلْنَا فِتْنَةً لِلَّذِينَ كَفَرُوا waghfir and forgive us our master إِنَّكَ أَنْتَ الْعَزِيزُ الْحَكِيمُ Certainly you are the ultimate authority, you're all wise. Now, now I'll add one more thing to this. How much damage has been done to the da'wah of Islam by the, the, the singular events of 9-11? How much, like every conversation with a non-Muslim about Islam somehow ends up in terrorism, yes or no? The actions of a few have become a fitna for millions, if not billions, to never consider Islam. They won't consider it. That's cra- These people are crazy. I'm, and I'm talking, and you could say there are political reasons, there are economic reasons, there's this. Uh, yes, great. But they're not Islamic reasons. They're not Islamic. But the behavior of Muslims is automatically assumed to be Islam itself it's automatically assumed to be Islam. And there's no way around that. There's no, there's no escape. No, 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 some Muslims act that way, but that's not really Islam. That, we can have that conversation among ourselves. There is no point having that conversation with the outside world, because the outside world, all they know of Islam is what Muslims do. They're not interested in Islam that comes from a book. They're interested in saying, what does Islam do in life? How is it affecting the world? And that's why it's, the, the irresponsibility of a few can destroy the work of da'wah get okay, completely utterly annihilated. And that's why the practical manifestations of our deen and living up to the pre-teachings of our deen is actually what's the real shahada al-nas, that's the real witness against humanity. لَقَدْ كَانَ لَكُمْ فِيهِمْ In all of them, meaning Ibrahim and his followers who stood up to falsehood. For you there is a role model, a beautiful role model. لِمَنْ كَانَ اللَّهَ وَالْيَوْمَ For whoever would, believe, whoever would be hopeful of Allah in the last day. And whoever would turn back, then certainly Allah, in fact He is the ultimately, uh, uh, ultimately free of need. And He's the one that is praised in and of Himself. Al-Ghani means someone who doesn't need anybody else. And it's an ism-sifa which means it's constant. He's never going to be in a position where he needs anybody else. Completely independent. That's ghina. When Allah says Aghna, the fi'il the Aghna is to make somebody free of need, to make somebody independent. That's Aghna. Then there's the word Hamid. Now there are two words in Arabic, Hamid and mahmud. Mahmud is Ism which means someone whose Hamd is done. It's the done to, it's the Ism Maf'ool. You haven't learned this kind of Ism Maf'ool yet, but you know some other Ism Maf'ools, right? So it's the done to noun. So Mahmud means the one whose Hamd is done. Hamid is also Bi ma'nal al Mahmud. They say this pattern is in the meaning of Maf'ool. But the benefit of this word in particular is the one who is praised, and instead of even making assumption that he is praised by someone, that by someone isn't even mentioned. Whether someone's around or not, he still has praise. See, in Mahmoud, you have to have someone, Mr. there's a majhul. there's somebody missing who's doing the praise. There's somebody in the, in the mystery linguistically. In Hamid, there is no mystery. He's praised in and of himself whether somebody's around or not. So none, no existence, no other creation should have to exist for Allah to be Hamid. But something needs to exist for somebody to be Mahmoud. Okay? So Allah uses the word hamid like, yeah, if you turn away from the religion, I'm hamid. I don't need you. And it's not like I need anybody else to praise me either because I'm hamid. If, if the only time you're praised is when some others praise you, then you're mahmood. So no, no one but Allah is hamid really. In the true sense, no one but Allah is hamid. Somebody could be mahmood. Somebody could be mahmood, but nobody can be hamid but Allah azza wa jalla. It may well be that Allah might make between you and those that you have had animosity towards love. It might happen. It might be that when they see Islam conquer, they might say, I've been holding on Islam all this time. I might just might as well, La ilaha illallah. And they might come into Islam. Multitudes of people will come into Islam. The majority of Makkah will come into Islam. When the four months in Surah Al were given, get your act together or get out of here. Or pick up your sword. Most people accepted Islam. They had four months to think about it. They weren't forced. If somebody wants to come and ask questions. Don't be harsh with them. That was the policy, you know. فَأَجِرْهُ حَتَّى كَلَامَ اللَّهِ فِمَا أبلغه ذلك قوم لا لا That's because they have no idea. If somebody comes to you and asking for, I, I didn't hear the message of Islam. Give them time. So Allah says, it might be that once the victory comes, that animosity might be removed, and there's a there's a hope of that. Wallahu, uh, uh, Wallahu qadeerun, and Allah is in control Wallahu raheem, and Allah <coughs> is ex- extremely forgiving, uh, always merciful. <coughs> Allah is not preventing you from those who haven't fought you, fi, in, in matters of religion. <coughs> and haven't expelled you from your homes, <coughs> that you be good to them and you be fair towards them. In other words, Allah says you should have good communal relations. With anybody who's not your enemy. Allah didn't say all non Muslims are enemies to you. Allah never talked about people that haven't kicked that haven't fought you and they hate your religion and they've kicked out of your they haven't kicked out you out of your homes. There's no harm in you in being good to them, in having fair, just relations with them. In Allah Yuhibbul Muxiteen, no doubt Allah loves those who 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 have transparent who implement transparent justice. This ayah is letting us know that our attitude towards non Muslims is not that we hate them. It's not that we look down on them, it's not. Our attitude of animosity is those who have shown us animosity. The Muslim shows animosity to those who hate Allah's deen, who fight against it. Everybody else, Allah never tell, told you that you shouldn't be good to them, that you shouldn't be fair towards them. You know, muqsitin, Allah only prevented such things you people prevented you from those who fought against you in matters of deen. in diarikum, Who expelled you from your homes. ala And they transgressed and made, made advances. Declared, proclaimed that you should be expelled. أَنْ That you should befriend them. Don't make friends with them and don't assume that they'll ever come to protect you. <يَتَوَلَّهُم> and whoever would befriend them and assume that they will be of protection to them, فَأُولَيْكَهُمُ <الظَّالِمُون> dhalimun. Then those in fact are the ones that are the ultimate wrongdoers. Now an interesting predicament came about. I told you when the people escape from Makkah and make it to Medina, what has to happen to them? They have to be returned to Makkah. Some women showed up. Escaping from Makkah. What do we do with these women? Makkan showed up, you have to return these women. He said, we're believers, we're Muslims. Now, you know, you know, God knows what kind of crimes they're going to do with these women. The messenger says, no, the agreement we made was about men, not about women. These women will not be returned. And they couldn't say anything. and They backed off. So the women stayed, but there was a new problem. We don't know which of these, because these are Muslims, closet Muslims, right? So, even Muslims didn't know if they were really Muslims. So, we don't know if some of them are spies. We don't know if some of them have been sent to start a scandal. To demoralize the Muslims from the inside. We don't know. We don't know the reality of these women. So, we have to have some sort of interrogation. You know how you have a border control? Why are you? What's the purpose of your visit? Why are you here? Let me see your passport. Let me check your paperwork, etc, etc. You know, because you want to make sure that the person entering your country isn't entering for treacherous reasons. You don't want to let a criminal into your country, a, a terrorist into your country, some a saboteur into your country. So this is this, we're in a state of war, and you're coming from a, from a city that we're at war with. So obviously there needs to be some interrogation, some border control type policies. This was the Ayah about the border control policy. It's really cool that our religion deals with things that even today we see all around us. It doesn't just deal with spiritual matters, it deals with like matters of real life, political issues, immigration issues, citizenship issues, social issues, you know, administrative issues. I mean, spreading out in a meeting, for God's sake. Who would think God would reveal something about how to hold a meeting properly? You know? And now border control. And these women have come, they're Muslim. Of course, what's the citizenship in Islam? What's your passport? La ilaha illallah. And you don't have to have a paper, you just have to what? Say it. So let's hear it from these people. and They might be spies. So let's ask them a few more questions. When did you become Muslim? How did you hear about Islam? What's your favorite surah? What do you remember? And if they start saying, what's a surah? Uh, Yeah, I love love praying to the moon. Oh, you do? Please step aside. (laughs) (laughs) There's a special room for you. Those of you who believe, if believing women come to you having migrated, and by the way, Muslimat isn't even used, Mu'minat is used. If they really have Iman, because Allah knows if they have Iman or not, but you don't. So you have to have a policy of caution, then test them. Interrogate them, test them, examine them, ask them a little bit of tough questions. You know, soft interrogation, you don't have to slap them around because they might actually be Mu'min. But you have to just at least conduct a thorough questioning, because we are in a state of war and there is a possibility of spies. فَمَنْ الْأَمْرُ مِنْهُ امْتَحِنْ امْتَحِنْ plural test them. Allah knows better about their iman. In other words, you don't know about their iman. That's Allah. Allah knows their iman. But your policy needs to be to take caution. You know, ask questions. فَإِذْ عَلِمْتُمُهُنَّ mu'minat. If you get to know that they in fact are believing women. فَلَا Then don't return them. Don't send them back. Don't let them go back. Then, إلى الكفار, to the, to the disbelievers, حل حِلُّ لَهُمْ They're not halal for them anymore. Even if these Muslim women came who have a kafir husband in Makkah, this is an automatic divorce. They're not halal for them anymore. and يَحِلُّونَ لَهُنَّ Even if she loves her kafir husband, she, he's no longer halal for her. Those ties have been severed. You see, this is a continuation of the subject matter of the previous surah. In the previous surah, bonds were cut for the sake of Allah and His Messenger. So they're not halal for them, and they're not halal for them. It's both, both ways, no more. Humma أَنفَقُوا And give them whatever they had spent. In other words, their husbands, back in Makkah, their kafir husband, their disbelieving husband may spend some money on her, may have given her a dowry, a gift, or whatever, refunded to them. Look at the incredible justice of Islam. Qur'an says, The enemy that's ready to kill you, that you have to return your own escapees to, because their women have left them and come here, you should find out from those women what did they receive as marriage gifts, and you should send it back to them, refund them. You know, FedEx them back their money. Your wife is no longer yours. Here's your your ring back. Done. Don't just, ah, forget it. Let me keep the ring. Spoils of war. No, no, no. You give it back. And then, when that's done, there's no harm on you that you can marry them too. You can, so they can marry among the, the, the community. And by the way, you can marry them once you've given them their dowries. In other words, marry them in a decent way. They're, they've come here, they don't have a wali, they don't have some guardian. So you could just say, oh, hey, I'll marry you. And she's desperate, she doesn't have a home, she doesn't have family. Right? So she'll just marry anybody. And she won't ask much for a dowry because she's not in a position to ask. She's in a desperate situation. Allah says, no. Give them a good dowry. أُجُورَهُنَّا And don't hold on to the old bonds, the protective bonds of disbelieving women. In other words, if you have old marriages, Muslim Sahaba, have marriages from back in the day with disbelieving women, Kafir women back in Makkah, let them go. Just move on. They didn't accept Islam, just let it go. And what should you do? Was aluma anfaktom, and you know, let those women know. Look, we're not married anymore. So, if you know, the gifts I gave you, please refund them. But now, do you think the kafir woman will refund the gift? No, she's not going to refund the gift. Allah says you have the right to ask, though. At least you could try. Was aluma anfaktom? Well, yes, aluma anfaku, and they should ask whatever they've spent. They should ask whatever, whatever they've spent. That is the verdict of Allah. That's, that He's passing among you. And Allah is all knowing wise. And if you've lost something because of your spouses, meaning they're not giving it back to you, and you needed that money, because you needed that money so you can give the dowry to your new wife, now you can't get married because you don't have money, and you don't have money because the old one's not giving you the money that she owes you and that's gone and good, it's, it's over. al الْكُفَّارِ Meaning, the, the, whatever's been lost to you of anything from the spouses that have headed towards the kuffar, فَعَاقَبْتُمْ And next time you go into battle and get a hold of the enemy, fa'atul ladina dahabat azwajuhum, Then, Allah tells the Muslim community, when you do get spoils of war next time, take a little bit of that money, and spend it on these people, so they can spend the likes of what they spent on their previous spouse, on their new marriages, Part of the spoils of war was helping these men get, get married and these women get married. SubhanAllah. So it became part of the spoils of war to help those whose money is stuck in Makkah to give them a little bit of money so they can get married. Whattakuullah al ladhi antum bihi mu'minun. Have caution of Allah, be careful of Allah, the one in whom all of you are believers in. Ya ayyuhaan nabi. Then the other, the final bit of this precaution is actually a unique honor given to women in the Quran. I told you I'm interested in doing a series called Women in the Qur'an. But uh, the, the uh, Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam took several uh, bay'ahs. He took oaths of allegiance at several occasions. Um, you know, al-aqaba al al-aqaba al You know, there's bayat بيع, bay'ah, There's so many bay'ahs. There's so many pledges of allegiance taken in the, in, in the life of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. But the only one spelled out word for word, one end to the other, uh, is in the Quran is the one t- that he took from women. And that's this one. So there's reference to other bay'ahs, there's reference to it, but they're not spelled out except in hadith literature. The only one that has the honor, the sharaf of being in the Quran is this one, the bay'ah of women. Ya <laughs> Yuhannabib, Prophet. إِذَا al-mubinat, When believing women come to you, in uh, uh, attempting to take a Pledge of Allegiance to you. What's the purpose of a Pledge of Allegiance? It gives you a sense of belonging. It gives you a sense of loyalty. To this day, the Oath of Allegiance or the Pledge of Allegiance gives you a sense of belonging and loyalty. It's, it's, it's actually an emotional thing. It's an emotional thing. If you go to a citizenship ceremony in any country, when people take the Pledge of Allegiance for the first time, they're crying. Because they realize what, they, what they've just done. What they've done. And people that are raised in a country, they're born in a country, they may not feel that. Because they're made, like slapped in the back of the head to recite the national anthem every morning in Pakistan. You have to stand in the, you know, the assembly. Attention. Stand at ease. <laughs> right? I know, because I did it. <laughs> and then you have to every day. So you have no value for it, really. You just kind of, just do it. Because you do it. But somebody who comes into a nation, and then takes an oath of allegiance. They've, they've now given their heart and soul to this nation, this country, this, this, and in our case this deen. So it's a very emotional thing. And it gives you a sense of belonging. Because usually bay'ah was taken for like military reasons, da'wah reasons, mission reasons. And for women it was taken for loyalty reasons, allegiance reasons, a sense of citizenship with Islam reasons. The Prophet took this pledge of allegiance from women. So when they tried, when they come into you giving a pledge, Allah and La billah that they're not going to commit shirk with Allah, shay'an شي- in any way, shape, or form. يسرقنا, and they're not going to steal. Walayyazdina and they're not going to lose their chastity. They're not going to engage in fornication, adultery. أولادهن, and they're not going to kill their children. And they're not gonna come up with an allegation that they just made up on their own. They're not gonna come up with serious, scandalous accusations against anybody, they're not gonna start rumors. Right in front, between their hands and their feet. In other words, wherever they go. Wherever they go, they're gonna start scandals and rumors. You know what I heard? <laughs> you know that this is the bay of women. The behavior of women protects society. It protects society. There's a um, forgot the name of the book. I was just listening to the radio the other day. I want to get that book. It's about uh, uh, preteens or teenagers. It's a new book uh, out about middle schoolers. Um, just chillin' or something. I don't know. Just chillin'. Something like that. It's got a weird name, but it's basically the psychology of early teens, right? Early teens. One of the most like depressing thing for them is going to school somebody's gonna make fun of them somebody's gonna say oh you like him he likes you da, 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 da. and they're like depressed about that they can't they don't know how to handle it they interview girls that like they, don't, they buy a sweater and they don't wear it for a year because they don't know what people might say when they w- walk into school wearing it there's a girl that refuses to smoke and they make fun of her for not smoking and they make some people think she does smoke and they make fun of her for smoking you just get made fun of this. This is a certain age where you just get picked on. It's a grinder. You know? And this, the idea of just rumors, just casually saying things about people, this is a very big part of our culture. Very big part of our culture. Just talking behind people's back. Starting, stirring things up. I don't know what's going on over there. <laughs> and then it spreads. And there's you know, and now, now with social media, it's haywire, you know. So this bay'ah has a lot of value. It really, really does. وَلَا asina ma'ruf, And they will not disobey you in anything that is known, that is recognized. Ma'ruf, by the way, is an organic term. Ma'ruf, as I told you, what is known, as the Muslim community received more and more Qur'an, the what Ma'ruf increased. So if the word ma'ruf was used in the first year of Revelation, it did not include what wasn't known yet. It was only referring to justice, you know, you know, uh, 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 fairness and kindness and you know, whatever was revealed, whatever was already known by society as good values. As Revelation came and matured us in our knowledge of what Allah wants us to do and what He doesn't want us to do, what Ma'roof evolved. That's the, that's the beauty of the word ma'roof, that it's an ism ma'f'ool, that which is known. And because this is one of the last revelations, now most of sharia has already been revealed and taught to society. It's been taught to Medinan society, so the ma'roof, in whatever has been revealed thus far, you're not going to disobey the messenger. And it's really beautiful that our religion says, bil Ma'roof. They command the ma'ruf because you can't command what hasn't been taught. If it hasn't been taught to people, and the people don't recognize it, and they haven't owned it, it can't be commanded to them. Because it's not ma'roof to them. That's the beauty of the word ma'roof. It's actually, it actually it grows with society. It matures as our education of deen grows. That's why the education of deen is at the heart of reviving our deen. Because then what that does is it, it increases the ma'roof. It raises the level of ma'ruf, and now we can implement that ma'roof. Because more people identify with it. People actually know what's being talked about then if they do come to you for this purpose then take a pledge of allegiance for them wastaghfir and ask allah to forgive them make istighfar for them make dua for them that allah forgive them inna allah ghafur rahim certainly allah is extremely forgiving always merciful ya amanu last ayah of the surah ya amanu la those of you who have iman don't make friends with pe- with a group of people that allah is mad at on the one hand, you're being told, here are the people that are pledging you allegiance. And there are, there are people that Allah is angry at, that are treacherous. Don't befriend them. Those people have all, lost all hope from the akhirah. They're hopeless when it comes to the afterlife. Just like the disbelievers have lost all hope from the people of the graves. What this means is two things, it's been interpreted in two ways. One it means, people that have lost their elders, their seniors, their loved ones, of the disbelievers, they have lost all hope of ever seeing them again. So they have lost hope in Allah, and you want to see an example of hopelessness? Just look at the people who've lost loved ones, who don't believe they'll ever see them again. The other is, that the minister اسْتَبْعِضِيَّةِ which means, just like the disbelievers who are in the graves have lost all hope. They have lost hope with Allah. Just like those who are already in the grave are already hopeless. These guys are as good as dead as far as their hopelessness is concerned. Don't make friends with people like that. It'll have an impact on your own faith. So with that, alhamdulillah, we conclude the, the, the third of these surahs. Barakallahu li wa quran al-Hakim wa nafa'ni wa bil wa hakim